1: Hey, hey, hey.
0: That was for New Orleans cuz I just came back. New Orleans. How was Essence Fest?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, it was awesome and brutally hot. And I did not stick to my WW. I don't know why Weight Watchers doesn't want to be called Weight Watchers. Whatever. I will respect their new name WW. I didn't stick to my WW cuz it's new Orleans, baby. So you know you have to eat fried catfish and shrimp and gumbo. I had it all, and I still lost two pounds because that's how hot it was and how much walking we had to do.
0: Why do they do it in July in New Orleans? I don't know, but it, when I
1: tell you so weltering wow. doesn't even begin to, I mean, I thought I was like, I was like, so I think I'm going to evaporate. But um, <laughs> and, then, and then you have to walk because there are literally half a million women in the city. And so Uber is a joke. Like it'll be an hour for one block. Like I, even though you're like, there's no way I can walk. It's impossible to walk in this heat. There's literally no way not to walk. So um, there's that. But other than that, honestly, it's always a good time. It was my first time going where I wasn't heavily, like, usually I've got like two or three things a day. And this time I had not, had not planned on going, but then they had their first uh, black global um, financial forum. And so like two weeks before they were like, we really would like for you to come. And so I said, guess kind of like last minute. And so because of that, it was nice to like experience Essence Fest as like, you know, someone just going versus like working,
0: working, working. Yeah. So did you see any, what was like your favorite event beyond the one that you uh, were on?
1: Well, I, hands down, um, Michelle Obama, I missed her Becoming tour. And so she basically had like a tour stop at Essence Fest. It was in the, the stadium, their um their Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And for the first time, like I'd, I'd been, this is my fourth year, and I've never seen the stadium filled to capacity. And it was. I mean, people were out for Lady O. She was amazing. I didn't realize how homegirl she was. I mean, I knew she was South Side of Chicago, but I was like, oh, Michelle. Oh, this is Michu. Oh, Okay, like she was, so, she was so awesome. Like she just was so chill and relaxed. She just seemed like your cool auntie that was just like spitting the real. Like yeah, so mm-hmm. I'm like, yes, Michelle. It I just, just love like that yeah. she is
0: like she's selling out stadiums on her tour, and I, I, I wanted to go see her, but it was just so much money. I'm like, she's charging Beyonce prices. At these tours, and Beyonce must be yeah. so mad because she's just sitting there talking, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh like God. all the work Beyonce has to do. <laughs> Michelle's like, and I'm just <laughs> here in this fabulous outfit, and I'm gonna, you Basically know, looking fabulous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> share she about my good, life. Honestly. It was, it was,
1: it was, it was definitely hands down my favorite. Well, my favorite event, but my favorite thing about Essence Fest, honestly, Mandra, I met so many dope folks who were like, oh my God, I listened to the podcast. One girl, one woman, I I wouldn't say girl, but one woman in particular, she like rushed with her arms open and she stopped. She was like, I want to respect your personal space. I know you don't like hugs, but can I hug you? And I let her. And it was so cute. She's like, and this is for Mandy. So she gave me an extra one for you. So Always give her
0: two hugs. <laughs>
1: yeah. But with so many BA listeners, they were like, Oh my god, I love the podcast. Or just like like, you know, asking questions from the podcast. It was just that part was definitely my favorite. Seeing people who were like, Oh my gosh, I took your challenge, or oh my gosh, your credit advice, or oh my gosh, I listened to the podcast. So I just it was just awesome because what I loved is that there were like women in their twenties and their thirties and their fifties and their sixties and it like it, like all of those women participated in what we do, and so I just thought that was awesome. So it was so nice meeting y'all in person.
0: Oh, lovely. Well, welcome back. Actually, yeah. I need some Brown Ambition Nation help right now because I am being tried to death by the manufacturers called LG. Is that <laughs> a, a manufacturer? Whatever the dishwasher people. We bought this dishwasher for over nine hundred dollars last. And we agonized over it. I mean, okay, I'm not gonna lie. He agonized over it <laughs> and researched everything, picked the best top of the line, blah blah blah, and got this dishwasher. It was installed in December, um, December or January and has been working perfectly fine. And then all of a sudden, two months ago, started giving us an error code, started to leak, stopped washing properly, and then we became you know, you just think we bought it from, you know, a, a company like Best Buy, from a big mm-hmm. brand like LG. They must have people out here who can repair these things or figure out what's going on. We've gone through four different visits, three from the Best Buy people who somehow sent us a Sears repair guy. Like, I don't understand how that works. (laughs) I saw that Sears truck and I'm like, is it 1999? Like, what are they doing here? (laughs) But apparently Sears, they contract them to do their like repair visits. Anyway, there's nothing more frustrating than like taking time out of your day for work. I have to work from home when this happens because I, you know, I have the remote job. So I'm stuck working from home. Sitting there with, like, these smelly guys in my house, like, just staring at my dishwasher like dopes and just telling me, oh, I don't know what it is. You just, you know, keep complaining and maybe they'll replace it for you. And finally, we complained enough after, like, the third visit from, from Best Buy's steers people that they sent us, like, someone from actual LG. This guy showed up yesterday and immediately it was clear he was on LG's side, even though we've had this dishwasher less than, what, eight months now? Um, it was clear to him that it was our fault and that something was, some piece of the dishwasher was bent. He just, and I don't understand, he just looked at it and was like, oh yeah, look, this is bent. Oh yeah, we can't replace that. LG will never replace it. And, and it's not covered under your warranty. And I'm going to put it in my notes that this was not, you know, not LG's fault. It probably happened, he said, during delivery or during installation. And I'm asking all these questions like, so. Why did it not manifest this issue until May when we've Mm. been living here since December? And he had no answers for me, took out all my stuff from under my sink and just left it on the counter and made his, you know, little notes on his notepad. And I was so annoyed. I was just like, fine, you can go. And they really did deny the claim. Like, they will not replace it. They won't. They say they can't repair it. And I don't know, like, I just can't fathom how... A major appliance like this, like this to me seems like what a warranty is all about. Yes. And I'm like, what the hell? Are we? Like, I I don't want to spend another $1,000 on And this dishwasher is like, like still smells new. You know, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. glistening, you know. And I'm thinking back to like the, the dinky dishwasher, like the Maytag dishwasher that was in the house when we first moved in. That thing was still cranking after 30 hey, years. Can
1: you imagine? That's how that goes. 30 so years. What do you, what do you need? As I told Mandra that she needs to take to the Twitter street. That's what I do, and I suggest this for everyone because nobody wants bad publicity. So when a company does me wrong, I will do a series of tweets expressing my displeasure, explaining, like, tweet one, I bought a dishwasher. Tweet two, like, you know, and tagging them the whole way. And without fail, they will um, tweet you back. Usually they'll say, please DM me. We don't want you to be unhappy. What they're really saying is, please stop the negative press. But what makes it even better is that as I tweet, People usually reply to me, and I make sure to reply back to everyone and retweet. Like, what? I have problems with LG, too. No, you don't say, girl. So what we'd like for you to do. <laughs> so, Mandy, what's your, what's your Twitter name?
0: So my Twitter name is at Mandy Woodruff. Mandy with okay. an I.
1: Yes. And so Mandy's going to tweet LG, and we would love for you to go head on in and retweet and reply back. And that way she can show, like, um, you might not want to mess with this one because people are listening.
0: I've never, I have like, I haven't hate tweeted a brand since maybe it's been years since like an airline. <laughs> Spirit Airlines might be the last <laughs> brand that I hate tweeted. What's the most you've gotten back from? Like, what's the biggest thing you've gotten back from a company by tweeting um, at them? Let's see. Oh, so many things. I'm not gonna lie.
1: I, so I don't, I, I wouldn't call it hate tweeting, just a little p- a pressure applied.
0: Truth telling, um, truth tweeting. <laughs>
1: um, I'm trying to think. Uh, oh, it was an airline. So I got my my ticket refunded. Um, I think it was maybe like $800 or something crazy Um, because I, what happened was I think it was like, it was really their fault. And, um, and then I, so I missed like a connecting flight. It was just like a tumble of effects. And, and a friend of mine works for the airline and he was like, no, if, if they said that you, the flight was delayed because of mechanical error, that's our error. Mm. And so, you know, so he was like, so don't, you know, stay on them. And so I had been emailing them and they were like, basically like, no, it's not our fault. And I was like, you know what, let me take it to the Twitter streets. And I did. And within like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, um, they hit me back and then I, it escalated up to whomever and I got my money back. So I was like, thank you very much. But honestly, I don't, I don't even hesitate. Like you should see now, my father will call me and be like, can you hit up Twitter? My um, I'm like, daddy. <laughs> 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 No, but honestly, it really works. And so it's it's best not to be nasty. You just want to be truthful and express your frustration. And it should be more than one tweet. I would say it's good between like five to 10, depending on how detailed you need to get. Um, And if I know I'm getting detailed, I will actually even label them like one.
0: So that way it's clear uh, like one it- of five. Yeah, i have sure a Twitter thread. I'm just going to tell the truth and it's just ridiculous. It's less than a year old. And the fact that they're trying to make it seem like it was something that happened five months ago and oh, just happened to take four months for the issue to manifest. It just strikes me as insane. But my other plan B, so I'll I'll try Twitter. So you guys check Twitter. I'm going to wait till Wednesday evening when you've ch- you've listened to the podcast and you've heard <laughs> this plea from me. Um, but also we purchased the the dishwasher on our credit card, on our city card, our city double cash card. And one of the perks of City, this is kind of sad because City actually just announced that they are removing some of the best perks that make it amazing. Some of them that I've I've talked about on the show. I talked about City Price Rewind, where if you make a purchase, we made purchases for all these appliances, and then if you register them with price rewind, if the price drops, they will actually go and refund you. Like the amount that it dropped. And we probably saved hundreds of, or got hundreds of dollars back on our appliances um, by using Price Rewind. They're sunsetting that benefit for some cards um, starting September 23rd, I believe. And also, purchase protection is going to go away for some cards. And that's what we're using right now while we still can, which is we're going to, we've complained to City about this whole dishwasher thing with Best Buy. And we're going to see if they will um, give us back the money um, because of the situation. So we have a claim out to them. We'll see, but what I am not going to do is spend another thousand dollars on a damn dishwasher. That's like crazy. I just can't, I just can't do it. It's just not you, in my. And head. you shouldn't.
1: And that's not, you know, it's not fifty bucks, ten bucks, a thousand. Even if it was fifty or ten bucks, that's still your money. And the dishwasher is not old. And like and you know, it's so crazy, isn't it? So frustrating how like the old simple appliances last way longer than these newfangled things that we have out now.
0: I just hear Ed and Rosemary, my former homeowners, just being like, "Yeah, we had that thing since 1979. Never failed this once." And I'm like, "I know, but it was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted stainless steel." Um. Anyway, so thanks, guys, in advance for your, you know, we'll we'll see. Let's get let's get the man. Stick it to the man.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't forget, Mandy with an eye wood and you're gonna retweet and just reply. If you've had any yes. trouble with LG dishwashers, you are certainly ready. Like, welcome to join in. And um, yeah, let's get this party started. That's how you get brands to really take
0: notice because ultimately sometimes they need a little bad press
1: to get it together.
0: Yes, ma'am. And so while I'm ranting about my dishwasher experience, I want to go to the reader mailbag early on the show today because last week we talked all about childcare um, and how expensive it is and how especially for even even like families earning six figures, like we found in our Magnify Money study um, last month, you can still feel broke because of, because of the cost of childcare. So we asked you guys to send us your stories of what it was like to pay for childcare where you live, and we got a ton of responses. Okay. I really, I really felt the pain of this one listener. What's her name? Natasha. So I want to read her email first, and then I'll share some of the others. So okay. Natasha lives in Akron, Ohio. And she yeah, says... Isn't that where,
1: from, that's where LeBron James is from, right?
0: Is he? I think so. Cleveland? No, no. I think he's from Akron, but he plays for Cleveland. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Sports are hard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, by the way, go women's world soccer. Hey, yes. World Cup winners. Um, okay, anyway, so Natasha says, my kids are now five um, and seven, going to the first and second grade. However, when I had my second child, my husband decided to become a stay-at-home dad because we were looking at paying... a week per kid to send the kids to daycare. He was only making $12 at the time, so it didn't make sense for him to work all those hours to pay strangers damn near his entire check to take care of our kids. Fast forward to now. Now that the kids are grown and they're in public school, she still pays $160 per week per kid for them to attend aftercare program at their school. This is what – this is Mandy talking. Like this is what drives me nuts. Like when I was in public school, we had after school care. We didn't pay for that. Yeah. Um, they pay for that now? Yes, they pay for that now. They're not the only ones. I've heard this from parents. Like hundreds of dollars just because you know, school ends at like two fifteen. You Which know, parents still work till six, so they need to put their kid in after school care. So yeah, schools charge for that. All right. Anyway. So then she goes on to say after, you know, on days where they don't have school, it's another eighty dollars a day on top of the weekly cost for after school care. And then in the summertime, she's back to that three sixty a rate, three sixty a week rate. Um, which is like so much, but then she, this is the part where I think it'll hit home for some people. Um, she says, I'm in a position, I'm grateful that I'm in a position where I can afford childcare, but it's frustrating knowing that most of the parents that attend the daycare center my kids go to are getting the same service for free. I understand people have tougher situations, but there never seems to be relief for the middle class. A lot of mm-hmm. us don't end up with such don't end up with much disposable income when we are done handling our business and paying for things that people with less income receive benefits for. Some people get food stamps, utility assistance, cheap housing, healthcare, childcare, et cetera, but we get zero assistance because we happen to play our cards well. I know this sounds bitter, but it does have me in my feelings when I know I busted my ass to get here, but I would have been all right if I made different choices that led to more government assisted living. I really think the childcare system in this country. Is broken. I don't know if it's cold in here, but I got a little bit of a chill reading yeah. that. It's so honest <laughs> and raw. And- it is. And
1: I'll say this that to be fair, I, I see both sides for sure because it was like when I was going to college, my parents, I guess, were considered middle class. And it was like, I couldn't get any real assistance. It was just loans. Whereas, you know, folks who didn't make as much, you know, could get assistance. So it's definitely frustrating. But I will say, uh, as, as being a preschool teacher for 10 years and seeing parents. And, and I you know, seeing parents on the other side, it's not – every parent is not like they didn't play their cards right. There are literally – I mean, I've known women who were in domestic violence situations that, that you know, as a result, you know, now they're single mothers. And so even though they're educated themselves, you know, one income is, is not enough necessarily to take care of two children. And you did play your cards right, but, you know, unfortunately, the person you're with is, is not a good person. You know, I've known people who have, you know, experienced – Maybe who else, whoever else was kind of helping um, with childcare, um, passed away. So there are other. I understand the frustration because here, here's the thing. I think in general that there should be assistance for childcare across the board. But what I will say is, I don't feel. I guess I've just seen too many parents, the ones that do get like subsidized help, that it's rarely like, you know, just because they're chilling. You right. know these parents, You know what I mean? Like, but I do agree that like, because here's the thing, 2,500 is $2,500 a a month. Like that's just a crazy amount of money to kids. That, that's what one of my friends pays. So, you know, I, and that's why honestly, like many of the cities, they don't do this. I don't think like in a lot of like, maybe the affluent suburbs, but like in Newark, East Orange, I know this to be true there. I don't know if it's called the Abbott law, but there was a law passed that made preschool public school. So what that means is that, um, and this is not, like I said, in a lot of the affluent areas, but some of these cities are not, you know, terrible. Um, but what that meant means is that, um, once the child turns three, they can go to preschool for free, which used to basically be called daycare, but now it's preschool and it's part of the public school system. Um, but then there's still aftercare because this is my nephews is three. And so he goes to preschool. He, his, like his mom was like, my sister was like, whew, I'm so glad that he's old enough to go to preschool. So that's one less payment I have to pay, but she still has to pay for aftercare. Um, So, you know, there's that, but yeah, it's just frustrating. And I agree. And truthfully, I think that childcare should be reasonable for everyone or that everyone should have the opportunity to have free preschool. um, So at least to alleviate some of that burden, regardless of what your income is, because it's still a tremendous amount of money.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, it, you know, that that sense of bitterness, I think, just comes from a frustration of feeling like yeah. it's she's also kind of when you're in that situation, it's easy to look at people who and, and create your own narrative for them. Like, oh, yeah. they didn't make the right choices. And now they're getting rewarded for it. And I think that's like part of the toxic. It can be toxic and it can also di- distract from what the real issue is, like like mm-hmm. Tiff saying, like it's not so much thinking about. In order, you don't need to. People don't need to get less so that you can have more all the time. Yes. and I think that that mentality, I hear it a lot in like um, conservative circles when they talk when they talk this way about. Um, about social, uh, uh, what do they call? now? I can't think of the right word. Oh my God. These, you know, programs and, that and they call them entitlement programs. Entitlement. Thank you. Entitlement programs like snap, like food stamps, like other assistance programs is that it's very much like, Oh, if, if they have, then I can't have. And in order mm-hmm. for me to have, we have to take it away from them. I would prefer if we created a system where we continue to support those families who do need this and and not project stories onto them that we don't even know their lives like mm-hmm. you, you don't know what they're going through they they may have really great you know it, it may be that they didn't make they did make the right choices and they still ended up in this situation yeah. or a spouse mean, died and they ended up with a single exactly. income or I'm not going to lie cuz I used to
1: because I, I grew up in like super suburbs right Westfield New Jersey super suburbs affluent my dad really worked really hard. My mom really worked really hard to to make sure he was like, it's either private school or pay taxes in a town with a great public school. So I was fortunate. So I'm not going to lie. Before I came to work in Newark, I was very much of the mindset of like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, work hard and you can, you can make it. That's what I thought. Easy for me to say with two parents, with both master's degrees and growing up in Westfield with an, an excellent education. The truth is it wasn't until I started teaching in Newark that I was like, whoa, Whoa! Like, I, I mean, I knew that people kind of like didn't start off on even playing fields, but I just assumed if you work hard, you could overcome that. Uh, I had three year olds who used to come and be like, "I saw a dead body today." You know, you have four year olds who are like, you know, like they're you know they're seeing drunkenness, drugs, death destruction at four, who have seen more at four than I used to when I was 22, when I first started teaching. And I remember I used to go home almost every day for my first year of teaching and cry almost every single day. Cause I thought to myself, this three-year-old has experienced more life than I have. How can I say, if you just work hard, because it's situ- they they did not choose the situation or circumstance and it helps to flavor the rest of your life. I actually had to stop teaching like I, I knew that even though the the year that my school closed down, I was ready to leave. It had it had brought me to like a place I wasn't happy. Like I loved the kids, but it was so dark. Like working in an environment, I said, like I said, not the kids, not even the parents, but just like the overall environment where we were. It was so disparaging. Like I wasn't the same. I remember my boyfriend at the time was like, "You don't even laugh as much, Tiffany. You don't smile as much. You don't." And It was changing me. And so I say all that to say that like, so I'm not, you know, definitely not knocking our, 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 um, what was her name? Marie? Natasha. Natasha. Because I, I was under that impression too, until for 10 years I was in an environment where I was like, wow, how do you ascend from an environment such as this? It is very difficult. It was hard for me as an adult. I had to leave it. I can't imagine a child that doesn't have a choice and then you grow up into an adult who that's all you've seen and known and it, yeah it's just very difficult to do better when you're not around better um but yeah so and but I, but par- I but, and okay. the
0: parents who are trying to do better by trying to get access to the nice daycare that maybe her kids are going to they need the assistance in order to get yes. that leg up right so it's mm-hmm. like you're anyway so I would I would just say like to 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 forget to to get out of your own negative like mindset. And the reason I got chills is because I feel like it just really, this frustration I know is very common. And yes. I would like to challenge it just by saying that forget about them in the equation and like, You know, it's not about their benefits taking away from what you could be getting. It's like challenge our elected officials to create policies to. And the system is broken. I 100% agree. Vote. You know, vote for people who agree with you and have plans um, to to expand childcare resources and benefits to the middle class to people who are working hard. Um, And if you listen to that, you know, most recent debate. Um, it's a Democratic debate. I can think of Kamala, uh, Kamala Harris and mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren, Kristen mm-hmm. Gillibrand. They made a point to talk about those programs um, um, in, their, in, in that debate. And so pay attention. And, and we just got to – it's not going to be fixed tomorrow. We have to vote. Um, and I would say it's a misplaced frustration to blame the, the people who are struggling and trying to get a leg up um, however they can. I yeah. would focus more on what we can do and, and that's really voting. But um thank you Natasha. I'm and I I'm, I'm going to read a couple not as many not not as heated as, you know, not as <laughs> not as like heavy as that one, but that was a good <laughs> one to start with. It was. But um Bridget in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I thought Knoxville, Tennessee, they must be super affordable. No, she spends $22,000 a year to put <sighs> her two kids through childcare. It's about 400 and something dollars per week. She says, "I cry internally every week." That check clears. We are not a six figure household and we are sinking due to the amount that we pay for daycare.
1: Goodness.
0: Over twenty two K a year. Um, Rachel, who has friends who live in Virginia, says that the cost of their rental apartment was twenty two hundred dollars a month. Child care for two children was forty two hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. Forty two hundred dollars a month. A month. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, I crap. don't even I don't even honestly. And where was it in Virginia? Virginia. The I mean, suburbs of Virginia. Virginia. And how ha- how many, um, how many kids? Two. Oh
1: my gosh. two hundred dollars times twelve. <gasps> Fifty thousand four hundred dollars a year. That's insane. God damn. Honestly,
0: that's like college. That's college. Yeah. You could pay for several years of college. That's insane. Oh my insane. gosh. And then everyone's is- like, and open a five two nine for your child and all. And I'm like, Yeah, but how? With what money how? after daycare? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Another listener, Amber, lives in the suburbs of Maryland between D.C. and Baltimore. They pay $17.20 per month, again, for two kids. Um, um, and then when their five-year-old starts public school, they're just they're, – um, or sorry, the two and a four-year-old. And they're looking forward to their four-year-old turning five because that means they can save 800 bucks a month um, when their kids are, are going to school. Um, Amber says, we've redone our budget and decided to surrender both of our newish cars and purchase paid off older cars, slashing our budget by $1,400 a month to make room. We've also decided to cut off our cable and get internet only with Netflix and Hulu. This will hopefully allow us more breathing room so we're not living paycheck to paycheck anymore. Wow. That's great, but (laughs) – I know. Um, Thank you guys for sharing. Um, you know, if I feel like this is cathartic. If you want to continue sending your, your emails and messages about the cost of childcare or whatever you think is like the biggest part of your budget that you just want to, you know, share with us, hit us up at Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram or email us at the Brown Ambition. Wait, email us where? At Brown Ambition Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Dot com. Um, and we'd love to uh, maybe we'll read some more of these on the show. Yeah,
1: no, these are great. But it is yeah. I'd be I wonder who has the most expensive childcare. I'd be curious to like what two hundred dollars you know? a month.
0: You know, that's the why I say kids are the new like kids are the new status symbol. You know, the more yeah, kids you can, can afford to have to pay for childcare, I mean that's just like unless you've got live in relatives or whatnot, but I mean I read an article, it wasn't this year, maybe last year about in New York City how the third kid is now the new status symbol.
1: I I did read that. I think I was watching actually yeah. like a like a, not a documentary, but like a, I don't know, like a news segment. And I'm like, wow, that like New York, the New York elites trying to have a gang of kids to be like, look, we can afford them.
0: Oh my God. like, okay, girl. I know, right? I, I guess. My friends who are having kids, they want to have two because you want like a friend for the first kid you know, to help them or like be there for them later in life or whatever. But just to have that second kid just – it just doubles that expense. And you don't want them to be too far apart in age. So you do have like – a lot of our listeners have said you end up with kids who are a couple years apart in age and daycare at the same time. And that's when it becomes excruciatingly difficult financially. So right. it's – you know, it sucks to think about money stopping someone from fulfilling their dreams of being a parent. But when you hear numbers like this um, – You know it just drives home it just makes the reality so much more clear like i can't blame people for i can't blame people for waiting um i'm like five kids mommy and daddy (laughs) houses even back then that's crazy (laughs)
1: So that feedback was amazing. Let's dig back in the email bag and do
0: some questions, shall we? Okay. All right. I'm really excited about today's questions because, one, I love when we get a guy asking us a question. Uh, Two, I love it even more when he refers to us as his queens. So first question comes from listener Scott, who says, hello, my queens. My wife and I are in a four-year window of buying a house. Both our credit scores are in the 600s and I was wondering because we want to raise our score, is it worth it to do boostmyscore.com? It's a credit – it's a credit piggybacking website that can help us raise our scores. I'm already using Self Lender. In a few months, I'll have my credit cards jump like Jordan. Um, I have nobody to to use – That's my thing. Jumping. I know. I know. Hey, he listens. (laughs) He says, I'm already using Self Lender, and in a few months, I should have my credit score jump like Jordan. I have nobody to piggyback off of, and I'm going to explain what this whole thing means after I finish reading his question. I have nobody to piggyback off of, so should I pay for this service? If so, how about about how far from applying for a mortgage should I sign up? Thanks for your help. And all you do, I'm a truck driver and listen to you guys when I'm driving. Love the podcast. Thank you, Scott. Scott, the truck yeah. driver. I love that.
1: Yes. I love that you listen. I love when they use vernacular back jump like Jordan.
0: Yes. piggybacking. You guys are really learning. It. So I looked into this. Had you heard of BoostMyscore.com before?
1: I've not heard of it. Well, first you said you were gonna talk about what uh piggybacking was. So
0: that's the strategy that Boost My Score uses. So Boost My okay. Score is just is just another credit repair firm. And I went to their website and it is all flashy and you know has all these, you know, promises of improving your credit. Um so anyway the credit repair credit repair services sometimes use this tactic called piggybacking which is where they actually pay people who do have good credit to um add their add their clients as a authorized user on their credit accounts so that that use that client of theirs can then get the benefit of that user's positive credit it's like imagine if you don't have a relative or a mom or a dad or a spouse to become an authorized user on their account to help boost your credit. So you go to a site like boostmyscore.com and they'll help match you with a random stranger who has agreed because they're getting paid by boostmyscore.com to let you attach yourself to their, become an authorized user on their account. And I did some digging. There's not a ton of like, there's not a ton of um, articles written on this practice. Um, there's some question of how uh, of how um, legitimate it is and how ef- even effective it is. Um, it it definitely has been used. It can be legitimate. It can legitimately help. The issue was is that you never know if the the lender who you're mm-hmm. applying with is going to factor in that authorized um, the is going to give you credit for that authorized user. Um, behavior. Not all credit cards even report uh, even report authorized user um, behavior to the credit bureaus. So you'd have to really make sure that you would, you know, you'd have to know what lender you're going to be applying with to see what credit score model they use and does that credit score model because there's a million different credit score models, a million different versions of the FICO score they could be using. And I can tell you with mortgages, they're all using I think it is like FICO 2. It's one of the older, older, older FICO models. Now we're up to like FICO 9 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they are, it may not be giving you um, the benefit that you think. I would be weary of any credit repair service that you see um, or that uh, sort of like presents itself as a quick and easy fix. You guys say you have a four-year window to buy a house. That to me sounds like plenty of time to get your credit score up. Plenty. Mm-hmm you're already doing some really smart stuff. So self lender, we talked with them before, right, Tiff?
1: Yeah, no, I love self lender, honestly, to me, it's like one of those win wins. So they sound like they're on the right track. And credit is one of those things that I think people forget that credit is because people I'm sure you get this question, Mandy, if I do this one thing, what will my score be? It's like sis, that's not how credit works. It's an average of your good choices or bad choices. Um, and so it's, you have to think about it like your GPA, like when you were in college or or high school, right? So if you're like, oh, if I get an A in math, what's my GPA going to be? I I don't, I don't know. I would have to know like what, what other grades did you get? What'd you do junior year? What'd you do sophomore year? Because the grades that matter most are the ones you got within the last two years, but the other grades still play somewhat of a role. So it's just about, so the, the key is with credit, I feel like it's not about looking back. It's about looking forward because the last two years mean the most. So that means if you can get as many A's as possible moving forward, you could offset any D's, F's, or C's that you got in the past. And then you can kind of like, um, you know, think about like if you have one F and one A plus, so your average is likely a C, but then you get another A plus and another A plus and another A plus And all of a sudden that F is not having as big of a, as a, a as a, as a drag down as, as as it did when you only had a couple of grades. So yeah, four years is plenty of time. Believe me, I had a foreclosure. I had late bills. I had all this stuff. I had, a at one point I had an 802 right before the recession hit and, and I lost everything. And then I dropped down to a 547. Um, that's with the foreclosure and everything, like late bills. And so it took me about, because foreclosure is such a big black mark on your own um, credit score. It took me about two years of like, paying things on time, paying off a credit card in full every month. And then I got in two years, I got up to maybe like a year and a half or years some change. I got up to like um a 750 and then two 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 and a half years in, I'm back in the eight hundreds. with despite the fact of having a foreclosure still active on my it hasn't fallen off yet on my credit um report. So I say all that to say, you've got time. You're doing the right thing. Just keep getting those aids. And it will offset any negative things that you had previously. Um, my only concern, too, about piggybacking with someone, and I'm sorry, Lisa. So, for example, I let my baby sister Lisa piggyback on one of my cards because I'm like, I never use it. I never use it. Of course, randomly, I forgot that something like charge, and I didn't know because I never use the card, so I didn't I didn't pay. I didn't pay. It was like a $10 charge. I didn't see the email that they said, like, you know, Something is due. It wasn't until she called me and she's like, You have a late payment? I was like, I do. It was, of course, on the one card. She was
0: counting on you.
1: <laughs> I, know, I know. So I felt bad. So there's always that, you know, that you have the, unfortunately, there's the potential that, you know, you add someone to your card and, you know, that, or that person adds you to their card and, and they, you know, they make a mistake and now it looks like you made a mistake too. So I just say continue the good work what you're doing now. It'll, it, it will offset each other. You're going to, you're going to raise your
0: average. You've got plenty of time. You don't need to piggy bank off piggyback off a stranger, let alone pay for it. Like you don't have to pay to improve your credit. You just got to have really good habits. So self-lender is a good starting point. If you guys maybe boost your credit score a little bit, you can work with even like a credit union and get a small credit builder loan or just a small personal loan. And then you just pay that back and that can help you um boost your score at all. We have a lot of tips. I can share a couple of articles with some um with some with some credit building strategies. It will take time, but like I mean a year or two and you've got four, you can definitely get those scores way, way, way up. Um, just do it the it's like dieting. Like don't go for the quick fix. Just exercise, eat less. It works. Yes. You, know, you know, for a reason. So but thank you so much for listening, Scott. Hope you're on the road somewhere cool right now. Okay, let's go to the gram. So this comes from listener Ashley. Um, she says, I'd love to hear your take on my question on a future podcast. I'm fairly new to investing, and at the end of 2018, I set up a Roth IRA through Fidelity and chose my own investments based on the model portfolio recommendation from the retirement calculator. I currently have all my money invested in one mutual fund. Should I be investing in multiple mutual funds to diversify or is having all my money in one mutual fund enough to have a balanced portfolio? Thank you. First and foremost, you should definitely go back and listen to our episode. I think I reran it a couple of like a few weeks ago, um, How to Invest beyond your 401k, where we interview Helen No, who um, is my financial advisor. We talk all about diversification and investing. and of course Helen's an expert. Um, so you know she'll give you some uh, she gives good. Really good tips for beginners on that podcast, on that episode.
1: Yes, she did.
0: Yeah. But what, we, what I can say though is so a mutual fund it generally is a good idea. So a mutual fund basically lets you – let's say you're interested in, um, a, in, in, in not just buying one stock. You want to buy a bunch of different stocks all in one go. So a mutual fund allows you to do that gives you a tiny piece of a bunch of different um, uh, uh, stocks all in one place. There's different types of mutual funds, though, and you might want to diversify because, mm-hmm. for example, if you have a mutual fund that's all on the S&P 500, it's like all, um, you know, uh, just all stocks in, in, in companies on the S&P. You just might be overdoing it with stocks, and you don't have anything to balance it out like bonds. So there's mm-hmm. mutual funds and ETFs that trade in the bond market, and then there's some that cover international. Um, oh, those are they yep. Yeah, international, and there's small cap and large cap. And I'm surprised that the reti- if you use the retirement calculator that they or the portfolio calculator that they helped that they offered you, that they wouldn't have recommended a more diversified portfolio. So you might want to. Maybe see if you can call Fidelity and get them to walk you through it. Um, they may offer like a free service like that just to get you started, or rerun the numbers in another, uh, maybe another sort of portfolio um, diversity tool, diversification tool, because that that might help you.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, um, there's a great book called oh, Don't Get Me to Lion. It's like, um, it's by the founder of Vanguard. It's let me see, Bogle, Jack Bogle, Jack Bogle. Bogle. Yes, yeah, Jack Bogle. He it's like it's like Bogleheads guys investing. It's literally like a, a thirty minute read or something like that. And so what I like about it is that he talks about that like like um the the three funds they suggest are total market um uh total stock market fund so that's like the S&P 500 total bond market fund and then some money in um in like an international fund um so those are the three that's the mix of the three that they suggest um and then the way you choose bonds versus stocks like how much should you be in bonds how much should you be in stocks um so uh, i guess the rule of thumb for bonds is your age because bonds are quote unquote safer than stocks. So they don't, they don't yield as much return, but they also don't have, they're not as volatile as, as stocks are. So if I'm 39, that means I should be like rule of thumb would be I'm 39% in, in, in bonds. And what is that? Is that 59? No, fi- not 61% in stocks and I can shave a little off from either one of them to put some in the international um, market. And like my dad is 75, so ideally he should be 75% in bonds and 25% in stock because the older you get, you know, the less risky you want your investments to be, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it's just a great book to just kind of get, a, get an understanding of like what diversification kind of looks like. And like I said, the book is super skinny, it's super quick read. Quite honestly, you can probably just Google and get like the gist of it. Um, if you don't want to pay for the book. Um, but yeah, I think I mean, first of all, kudos to you for for, you know, for investing. It's a good start that where you started. And the fact that you're asking a question shows that you're like, hmm, there must be more. And there is. Um, investing doesn't have to be overly complicated. I just think and diversifying doesn't mean you have to buy individual stocks. I'm glad that you're you're not. Um, I know some people do. But for the average person, I just don't think that's a good um investment strategy if you're not going to be able to keep up with it. So you're you're on the right road. You just got to add a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. And the one thing I'll say is like a target date fund. We talked about that on the investing episode. They're a little bit different. So a target date fund is like all in one, um, a well-balanced meal, essentially. Um, a target date fund is like a, it's when you pick a fund based on your retirement age, so you say I'm going to retire about the year 2055. So I'm going to pick the you know target date fund 2055 that's offered by Fidelity. All the different, all the big like brokerage firms have their own version of target date funds. And then a target date fund actually is already balanced for you. You don't need to have multiple target date funds to have a balanced portfolio. They have, they have. It's it's consists of a bunch of different mutual funds that are diversified according to your age so the same math that tiffany did just now is kind of done for you and then Mm -hmm. over time that the target date fund will automatically balance um, right rebalance reallocate stocks and bonds as you get older and i'm telling you if little know nothing 23 year old mandy woodruff i just checked my the same vanguard 401k that i opened when i was 22 hadn't i hadn't contributed anything to it since 2016 in the last three years alone, I've gained fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. Just nothing, doing nothing, just enjoying my life with a target date fund that I opened when I was twenty-three. And I'm just like, God bless that little dummy <laughs> who who took it who just opened a random account, you know, at her first job. And I'm like, thank God, because I had no idea what I was doing. And you don't need to necessarily. It's just a matter of like Tiffany said, just get getting started at all. Exactly getting in the game, yeah, um, and then you fine tune your knowledge over time, you know it's it's just like you're doing right now, so thank you for your question, Ashley, um on Instagram, well, let's see do we have time for one more? yeah, I think so. Let's see. oh, someone actually wanted to say thank you, Tiffany Crystal on Instagram says thank you for sharing or recommending the four hour work week.
1: oh, yes, it's a great book, honestly, she if you're not reading it, it, you should it's just a great. Book for even if you're, you know, you're you're happy with your job and you're, you know, you're not looking to to start, um, you know, not looking to start a business. It's just really to me, it's a great book for pro- productivity. Whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a regular like you know nine to five job or whatever, so it's just a great book.
0: I need to. That's one of the books I've never read, and I'm just like, I need to read it. I'm I'm not I'm not living my best life. Okay. <laughs> Last question. Another, another investing. Excuse me. Another investing question. I know you've heard of this company, Tiff. Very simple. At Monet on Instagram wants to know: Have you guys heard of Elevest, and what do you think about it?
1: Yes, I have heard of Elevest. I I like Elevest. Um, here's why. It? So Elevest is uh. Don't get me to lying. I guess is it would it be called a brokerage firm? Is that what they call it? Let me see. Like what the technical. I'm a robo-advisory. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a bunch. So there's like, like, for example, there's like Betterment. You guys have probably heard of Wealthfront. Um, Those are some of the like most popular ones. Um, But the reason why I like um, Elvest is they're similar to, to the, you know, to the rest of those kind of funds um, as far as fees are concerned. But what I do like about it is that one, that they have funds that you can invest in that are tied to your social mission. So, like you can be like, "Huh, I want to invest my 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 money, but I really want to be like socially conscious about it, so you could choose funds based upon helping women, helping kids, helping you know helping babies, helping dogs, whatever so that's one, but two, probably my my favorite part about Elvis is that most of these um most of these robo investing kind of companies they their template is a man, so i'll give you an example, so I am." brown and my skin is like super chocolate. So when I buy pantyhose and it says nude, the template is not my skin color. So it's like, uh, okay, girl, I guess, you know, so when I'm looking for nude, like I'm probably not going to find my skin color. But so it's like similar in investing in that, like the template that they're using, is not really for women. And why does that matter? Because one, women tend to live longer. Two, women make less than men. We all know about the pay, pay gap. Three, women sometimes will work less than men over their lifetimes, because if you stop to have children, you know, let's just say you have two kids and that puts you out at least two years, maybe up to five, 10 years out of your life, out of the workforce. So LFS takes all that into consideration because the current Kind of template to say, hey, if you put aside this amount of money, by the time you're ready to retire, this should be enough to, to this should be enough to keep your lifestyle going. That template doesn't work for women because our situations and circumstances are different than men. So LFS has created their own template to suit to fit the way a woman's life plays out. And so I, that's that's probably the biggest part that I really like about about them. Um, yeah, I work with them a lot. They're not the only kind of like robo advisor company I've, I've suggested, but I, I, um, I've worked with them a lot and I've got really like, you know, they really, they really try to figure out what life is, what life you want to, to live and lead. They have a really great survey when you first kind of like enter and really aligning your finances um with that life goal. So yeah, I, I mean, there's a ton of 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 great robo advisors. They're just one of them, but they're one that I that I that I like and that I use.
0: Yeah, and the the whole benefit of robo advisors is that because they're, you know, they're automating your savings and they don't need you don't need a bunch of money managers sitting around a mahogany table, is that they just mm-hmm. cost less over time. Um, they do cost a little bit more than just you know going to Vanguard and getting your you know basic yes, target date fund for
1: sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but at the same time, they do you know have a they they have I don't know a more like a, a more like hand holding kind of approach to getting concierge. started. Yes, more yeah. concierge approach. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what the last so, listener Ashley might be look, might might be missing from Fidelity is all they have is the portfolio tool kind of thing. LLVs yep. Betterment Wealthfront they they do help you get started and they have they have the funds that they put you in the portfolios they give you are diversified for you um, okay. so you don't have to do all the thinking
1: and if you're if you're really interested so i um i actually what's this last year because they approached me last year and i was like oh uh, they're like we would love for you to share, um, share LVS. i was like mm, i'd love for you to educate people so um <laughs> what i did was i was like if you want me to share it one, I have to use it because, you know, I don't like to, because like, what if it sucks? And then I shared it with people. And then two, I made them, well, not. Well, I mean, it wasn't really like a, a heavy twist because they were open to it, which I liked that I, I asked if they would do a free class to step by step show you how to begin investing on your own in this way. And so they said, yes. And so I actually sat down with the um, the CEO, Shally, um, Sally Krawcheck. She was really awesome. And we did a five day course. It's totally free. But it walks you through um, be- very the very beginning stages of investing and uses Alvest as a tool. And so, if you're interested in that free class, it is Invest Like Women. Let me make sure it's been a while since I've said um um Invest. If you've ever done any of my literature challenges, it's very similar. Invest Like Like. I just want to make sure women.com. And um yeah, so that way, if you're interested, you could take the class. It's totally free. And um yeah. InvestLikeWomen.com, like women, not women, M E N, um and you could take the class. It's like I think, like I said, it's like five or six days, but it'll really go into depth about like, oh, that's how the tool works. This is how, just in general, when you're starting to invest, why you need to. What does diversification look like? it Like I really made them like go deep, definitions, homework. Like I went through it, so you'll see me. Like it's not just like, oh, it's just some rando class. No, I went to LVS. We taped it. I ask a ton of questions because I don't consider myself some savvy investor, quite honestly. And so I made sure that I was you in the situation. Like, well, what does that mean? Why should we do that? And so all of that is included. And so, yeah, it's something that I'm proud of. And it's completely free because y'all know I like to do stuff for free as as much as I can.
0: Cool. I'm going to share that link in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Yes. Great question. I feel like we should do another investing episode. Mm -hmm. We should. should. I think so. I think we should do... I feel like
1: investing, but maybe like in a different way. I'm trying to think of like what, like, you know, versus retirement, maybe we do real estate investing. Like, you know, let's, let's ask BA listeners, what kind of investing are you super interested in learning more about? We can find an expert to come and chat with y'all.
0: Do we care about what they want though? Let's be just kidding. <laughs> Please tell us. <laughs> Tell us what you want. We can actually really request request your ideal show. Like what would you love to hear us do? We are, we're friends now. We've been doing this for four years. You can be honest with us. Okay. Um, whether it's investing or whatnot, that would be super helpful. Hit us up at brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com okay. or go to brandambitionpodcast.com and hit ask us anything. You can also, of course – DM me on the gram. We're at Brown Ambition Podcast on Instagram because that's where every one of their mama is at now. And that's fine. Totally fine. For the old school folks, we're also on Twitter and Facebook. You can find us. (laughs) We're all we are just like overexposed. That's what we are.
1: (laughs) No, that's good. And now it's time for Booster Break for all the family. Will you boost? Will you break? What will you do, Mandy? Ah,
0: that was so good! It was.
1: I'm sure i I said that before, but I'm like, for some reason, and I don't like to break it, like, because in in the middle,
0: I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going really good. Don't mess it up, Tiffany. Complete the rhyme. So I feel really good about myself. Oof. I mean, (laughs) that was like some epic Brown Ambition freestyling. I'm really (laughs) proud of you. (laughs) <laughs> are you gonna boost? Or are you gonna burn it? I'm gonna boost today. I gotta be sporty, spice today, and I have to boost. First of all, women's U.S. soccer team for winning the freaking second World Cup in a row. Yes, it was the only soccer game I have watched in total in like ever in my life. However, I support them, and it was amazing. Um, so go U.S. soccer. And then also, did you watch? Have you watched? Did you watch Wimbledon? That 15 year old um yeah. tennis yeah. star Coco Gauff. Um, yeah. She was, like, amazing. She got to – she beat Venus Williams. She made it to, like, almost to the fourth round of Wimbledon or something like that. She got knocked out, but she was on CBS this morning talking to my girl, Gail, and it was such a cute interview, and she is so – I just can't – I can never believe when, like, teenagers are so poised and eloquent and talented because I was not any of those things when I was 15, Um, and it was just – I don't know, just beautiful brown girl magic all over the place, and it's nice to know that once Serena and Venus retire – you know, to be billionaire icons, then we'll have the next generation coming up
1: right behind yeah. them. No, that is excellence. Well, I, you know what? We should do a pass the boost, pass the break. Like if you guys have a booster break, this is just, it just kind of hit me. Like if you guys have like a really dope booster break, send us a message on IG or, or an email because I would love to like be like, you know what? I'm actually going to, like one of my favorite podcasts, they do like pass the read. And I'm like, you know what? We can pass the boost, pass the break, because I'd love to see what you guys are boosting and, and breaking. This okay. is just that was just a little you no know, little aside, a little something something. Well, I'm actually going to you know what? Mm, I think I'm going to boost and I'm going to boost um Essence Fest. I had something else. I was gonna do a sport one, like a Serena one. Well, not Wimbledon, but like, you know, her match. But since we already did sports, I want to boost Essence Fest because this is my fourth year. And I have to say, it was so great to see so many, like, it, like I said, for the first time, I was actually able to get on the front end of it. And it was so great to see how many entrepreneurs, well, one that I knew, which was awesome, but it's just such a great showcase for like young or new or or even established entrepreneurs to kind of show their wares, which is dope. You know, the city gets like, hundreds of millions of dollars flooded into it. And I was thinking to myself, if if it wasn't for not just Essence Fest, but like, you know, all of these great festivals that come to New Orleans, I wonder where where it would be now, you know, post post um you know um post hurricane. Um I don't know. Essence is just like a family reunion. You get to see like every shape and size of of an age of woman and everyone is just like, I don't know. It was just such a You walk into a place and you just feel at home and it was just like such great energy. And so just a boost because I can't imagine what it takes to put it on. Um, One of Drina, my my publicist and my bestie, her client, her name is Gina and Gina is one of the executive producers of Essence Fest and the insane amount of work that she has to do. So there's just so much work that goes into it and, you know, I I don't take that for granted and it it just runs, although on the outside, it looks like it runs so smoothly behind the scenes, everyone's like, ah, you know? (laughs) And so that to get to go behind the scenes and kind of see all that it takes, I just want to commend everyone that does it. And just every year, because this year was their, was it the 25th anniversary, I believe? Um, and so, yeah, just more to come. You know, they're just, Essence is killing it. And now Essence is fully Black-owned, which is nice. Um, so, yeah, that, that's my boost. Essence Fest. Beautiful.
0: I got okay. to get to New Orleans, maybe in the winter, though. Yes. Whew. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know. All right. All right, guys. Well, that's the show. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, hit up Twitter this evening on Wednesday evening when, after the show airs and please retweet me. Let's see if I can get my $900 back.
1: Okay? Oh, we're we doing it, doing it. Why? Because, you I'm know, be
0: without a dishwasher, my marriage may not survive. I'm just going <laughs> to be honest. Right? Who's doing these damn dishes? <laughs> it's not a happy <laughs> household. I can't. I cannot. All right. Until next week. Bye, y'all.